Matthew Grant here, back in the UK after a great trip to California. Well, I am delighted to say that the US is most definitely open again for business. It was a short trip, but a chance to speak to close to 200 people at the Property Insurance Report Conference. Many familiar faces from the founders of some of the companies we've got to know well over the last couple of years and representation from most of the major US insurers. Now, it's been fantastic to meet so many people via Zoom over the last couple of years, even better to see you all in person. We'll be releasing our remote claims assessment report early in 2021. If you're offering capabilities in that area and aren't already talking to us, then please do get in touch soon. For today, though, I am delighted to be interviewing a company and a co-founder that in just a few years has defined and successfully grown a business in an area that is getting increasing attention, parametric insurance. We first came across Descartes Insurance back in 2018 when Sebastian Piget and Tango Tofu had launched the business. The company then rapidly evolved to be offering parametric cover to companies relying entirely on brokers. Whilst we're hearing a lot about parametric insurance, to our mind, Descartes is one of the very few companies that has been able to quickly achieve scale in this area. We cover lots of relevant and interesting areas, including how the Descartes team educated brokers around the world, why basis risk exists in traditional contracts as well as parametrics, and why risk managers at large global corporations are starting to consider parametric insurance as a serious choice and alternative to traditional indemnity insurance. Sebastian was in Paris for this call and the sound quality does drop off in a few places, but please bear with us. And if you're interested in what it takes to rapidly grow a startup insurance or want to understand more about the practical applications of parametric insurance, this one is definitely for you. Finally, if you are in London or able to come over for the 30th of November, we are running our next Instec face-to-face event, reviewing this time what is happening around climate change risk measurement supported by S&P. It's going to be another sellout event with capacity for over 200 people. Details on the website www.instec.london. As usual, our members go free. This time, if you work for an insurer that is not a member, then you too can get a free ticket as well. If you contact us, tickets at instec.london or hello at instec.london. Now, here's Sebastian. So a bit of introduction to Descartes. So you were founded in 2018. You are one of the co-founders uh, and you are an MGA and focusing, I believe, almost explicitly on parametric insurance. Exactly. And in my experience, I would say you are up there amongst really only probably two organizations I've come across that are actually successfully offering parametric insurance at scale. Uh, so you're really interested to learn more about what you're doing and what is making successful. You are supported by Generali and your focus in terms of what you cover is large accounts, but we're also, I know you're looking at other lines of business as well. And we're delighted to have you as an Instate London member. Your own background, you were previously an underwriter with Axtra. I noticed you also had a responsibility for data science. You know, what was it for you, you know, working for an established insurance organization and one that does do quite a lot around the area of climate and you know, now parametric? What motivated you to go and start up your own business? Yeah, so first of all, I learned a lot at AXA, but at some point in time, I was uh, happy to, to launch my own business uh, with Tongi and, and Kevin, where the two other founders. 
And there were like several uh, motivations behind it. So I wanted to to have a, to see to see uh, how how we could do the this kind of uh, job at a different pace, and leveraging also more technologies because uh, basically I had the feeling that uh, and we had the feeling all the three founders that basically there were uh, the, the technology was quite disruptive and that the, the industry was ready for for disruption. To my mind, there are I guess four areas that MGAs need to think about. The first one for everybody is what problem the business solving. The second one is what product do you offer to help solve that problem? And the third one is how do you sell it? You know, distribution is really key. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you sell through brokers. And then fourthly, when you've done all of that, you've got to find someone to provide the capacity to underwrite the business. So if we, if we start off with the first of those, the problem you are solving, as you look at how you are helping your clients what is the balance between organizations that are using you to replace traditional insurance? Or are they looking at parametric insurance more as a way of providing additional coverage for something they might not have been able to do before? It can be both. When we, we launched our, our business, we were doing a lot of NDBI covers to, to cover uh, risks which are usually not insured by traditional players. However, there is, in our view, a strong trend, which is basically that parametric insurance is, is, is about to take a, a larger and larger share of the entire market. If you look at the trend, more and more clients are replacing their indemnity insurance contracts with parametric insurance contracts. That is, that is really interesting. And you mentioned NDBI, non-damaged business interruption in there, just for anyone that hasn't heard that acronym. So that's a shift because in the early days of parametric, I guess with the exception of large catastrophe bonds, which were providing probably alternatives to retrocession or, or, or sort of top layer reinsurance, it did seem to be the case that parametric was coming in and offering a new opportunity. But what you're saying is that what an organization might have taken out insurance for is now being replaced by parametric, which then suggests a higher level of confidence and the ability of the parametric insurance product to pay out because I suspect it's a much harder decision to take to you know, give up on one type of insurance and pick up another one. It's always basically a long discussion uh, with the client because those contracts are important, so whether it could be an indemnity insurance contract or uh, it's the same for an indemnity insurance contract. If it's a large contract, it's, uh, it requires some expertise and, and some time to be spent with, with the client. If I may quote the, the risk manager of LGMH, for instance, he's saying that he is more comfortable with parametric insurance contracts because he considers that the basis risk is much higher in his indemnity insurance contract. At the beginning, basically, brokers and clients were a bit scared by the basis risk because there is some basis risk, but it can be, uh, to a large extent, removed with technology. But it's also a higher basis risk with uh, indemnity insurance. If you think about all the exclusions in the indemnity insurance contract, it is a basis risk, it's just a basis risk to which brokers and clients uh, are more familiar with. Again, a really interesting point. And it's almost turning what would seen as a challenge of the parametric insurance into an advantage. I just want to make sure we were clear on this point about the basis risk. So for those that aren't familiar with parametric insurance, the basis risk is that the the loss that is paid out, or the, sorry, the payout that occurs after the loss, because it's triggered by an index, there's going to be some difference between the payout and the actual indemnity loss. 
that's been known about for a while. As you say, the technology and the well-designed parametrics reduce that more and more with the, as we get more sophisticated about parametric insurance. What people often forget or only realize after the event is their traditional insurance contract also carry a basis risk because they may have been worded for exclusions or not anticipated certain types of losses. And so people are actually experiencing losses that, that they were surprised about. Um, so if we come back to the LVMH Examples. This is so this is yeah, a large luxury goods organization. Typically, the risk manager would go to their broker and rely on the broker to provide insurance. But in this case, I believe the risk manager himself has actually had a good understanding of parametric insurance, or certainly once he'd, he'd sort of spoken to you and the brokers. Can you just talk a little bit more about what their thinking was and what led them to work with you to replace some of their traditional insurance? Basically, uh, after Fukushima, Many losses that he was facing was not covered by uh, his contract at that time, and it was not so clear in the contract. So um, you can face major losses. You expect the contract to trigger a payment to you, and you realize that there is a major disagreement with the client. But it's, it's not only true for for, for you know events like like Fukushima. When you think about COVID nineteen, many uh, clients were surprised, and we are also working uh, with other types of clients, so for instance, uh, client operating in the forestry industry, if I give just a small example. So we are working with clients who used to buy indemnity covers, which were per event. Basically, it's very hard to define what is an event in a wildfire uh, insurance contract, because you can say that there are 10 events or just one. So the first client basically had suffered from a loss of $200 million. Uh, he was uh, basically uh, receiving only a small portion of this loss from the, his insurance company at that time, because at that time, the insurance company was saying, I consider that there were uh, 25 events and that you need to apply a deductible of you know 10 million for each of these events. So uh, there was a major basis risk related to the fact that uh, the definition of the event was not clear. So we've talked about the, the you know, what problem you're solving. We talked about how you're doing it. We're going to come back in a minute and talk a bit more about the data behind that because obviously that's critical to the success of Parametric. But in terms of distribution and the brokers, it sounds like you must have now brokers that are sophisticated enough to understand how to sell Parametric and have got confidence in you. So can you talk a bit about, in a relatively short time, that's three years since you started, how and to the extent you can name names who are you working with that you've been able to educate about the benefits of parametric insurance for their clients? We are working with many different brokers. I know it's 500 or 1,000 uh, brokers, so I'm, I don't have the figure on the top of my mind. Of course, uh, you have very sophisticated brokers, uh, especially in London, and they are our main business partners, and we are really delighted to, to work with them because or distribution strategy only relies on brokers as opposed to other risk carriers who are in many cases trying to bypass brokers to sell their product. Our entire commercial strategy is to partner with brokers to explain to them how our products works so that we are contacted when the client basically uh, could be interested in, in our product offering. So we are working with many, many different brokers. Some of them are very local and some of them are one of the largest uh, companies uh, worldwide and, and, they, and they are a strong network of uh, offices all over the globe with headquarters in London or in the US. So 500 to 1,000 brokers. So that 
and you mentioned some of those are quite small. How do you educate them about parametrics and Descartes? There's a hard organizations to reach out to. What have you been successful about in terms of being able to help them understand the, what you're offering? So first, we are recruiting local teams. So we have offices in, in Singapore, in Sydney, in Houston, in New York, and now in London. So it's very important to have a close relationship with, with those workers, to have face-to-face -face, uh, meetings, to explain how the technology works and how the product uh, works. So basically targeted marketing on LinkedIn, on, on Google, to basically generate demand from uh, workers. Oh, well, congratulations. Uh, clearly, it's, it's working. And just coming back to the LVMH example, is that unusual in that the, the corporation and the risk manager is coming to you, albeit you know, through the broker or, or asking you to help them with the broker? Or are you starting to see an increasing awareness and demand from the, the ultimate insureds themselves? The largest companies are already familiar with uh, this product. Of course, we have uh, smaller companies who are still unaware of our product offering. And you have also risk managers who are aware that we can cover tropical cyclones, but not necessarily hail or flood or wildfire. So, of course, we need to keep in touch with, with brokers and, and, and clients to, to update them about what we can deliver. We're just wrapping up, or well, not we're wrapping up, but COP26 is wrapping up. And quite a lot of what we've seen coming out from that has that in the insurance world has been parametric and also more broadly than that, but actually looking at ways of handling uh, climate change risk and mitigation. From your perspective, what do you see that influencing with regard either to the work you're doing or just more broadly around parametric in insurance and maybe beyond insurance? For us, it has a very important impact, of course. So it's our daily life to deal with uh, weather risk and they're badly impacted by climate change. But I think that like events like uh, COP26 uh, also help us to work on the, the investor side because we believe that future investors will be more and more careful in which insurance companies uh, they invest. And we want to develop products, insurance products, which help the basically companies to meet uh, ESG goals. So for instance, if we, if we develop insurance products for solar farms, or for wind farms, it's something that will be more and more valued by investors. So, uh, and if we have the support of investors, we can also offer more affordable prices and we can uh, basically improve our product offering. Yeah, it's really interesting to see that you're coming from two different directions and starting to converge from the investor perspective and the underwriting perspective. I think we're going to hear a lot more on that. So, I just want to talk about the data sources you use. If we start off with Windstorm, one of the challenges that people have found of developing parametric products for windstorm is that at the levels that they start to, the wind starts to cause destruction, the wind speed recorders simply blow away. And so you've lost your index. What are you doing to overcome that in the, in the design of the products? So we can offer data published by uh, agencies like the NHC in the US. So they provide data about the track of a hurricane, for instance, but we're also launching new products with partners like uh, Reask to basically provide wind allocation covers uh, and to protect clients against basically uh, high wind speed at their location. It's not a basically a cat in a circle cover because we only use the data which is modeled at a given location. 
So it's a modeled data as as opposed to a specific wind speed recorder. And, and I, I'm really glad to hear you're working with Nick and Thomas from RIASC, you know, really supportive of what they've been doing based out of Australia. But I believe Thomas is coming back over to Europe at some point fairly soon. And then flood. So we had ISI uh, at our event last night, actually, on our live event in London, doing some fantastic stuff, looking at the flood depth after flooding events. Uh, I know you are are working with them, but can you just talk you know, partly what you're doing with them, but also more broadly or other areas of data you're getting when you're looking at flood yeah. as a trigger? We do like to partner with ISI because they have developed a unique technology. It's a very good example, but basically the impact of technology on our business. So they have launched a fleet of nano satellites, which is a quite recent technology to improve the detection of flood events. And thanks to their technology, uh, basically, we can cover virtually any client all over the globe because they are monitoring most of the flood events all over the globe. And we don't need to uh, to use a gauge at a given location, which needs to, 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 to have been installed uh, before the, the contract. We can directly use their data to settle the loss. And their data are very accurate, which allows us to be comfortable with underwriting deals based on, on, on their data. And you mentioned nano satellite. The team very kindly brought along not exactly one of their satellites, but we had a life-size representation hanging over the audience last night. And uh, yeah, they have. It's been quite impressive. You know, they've been able to build those satellites and deploy them. And then in other data, I believe you're also offering coverage for cyber. Uh, and so, where do you find the data for that? We want to invest in cyber risk, but. It will take time. Uh, we are collecting the data. We are basically, it's really an R&D project. We are investing a lot of time and resources on this project because it's going to be a major issue in the coming years. But it's a bit too early to say what our product will be and how we will address the need of the market. We'll look forward to hearing more on that. And then on that point about data, for anybody that's listening that might have access to data or maybe they even want to go and build a company to go and find some data, what are the data sources you're still finding it's hard to get access to that could help structure a parametric trigger around? The number of data sources is booming and we have designed a platform which allows to quickly uh, ingest and incorporate those data and to price a deal based on, on, on this data. So I don't have a, at the moment a real pain point because the technology is evolving so fast that uh, we don't have this issue. The, the, the major issue that we face is more to have access to good historical data because it's one thing to be able to settle losses based on a very accurate data source and another thing to be able to model the risk. And that historic data is around the, the peril, not so much claims data. Yes, exactly. And then we talked a bit about you, you're expanding globally. So Singapore, Sydney, Paris. So you've got underwriters now in each of those locations working directly with the brokers, I believe. We have commercial teams interacting with brokers. So at the moment, all the underwriters are based in Paris with one exception. So basically, uh, Alessandro uh, will be very soon, uh, will relocate very soon in London. So we have open uh, our office in, in London and we have uh, Paul Jones, who is uh, uh, our business developer here in London and he will be joined soon by underwriters. But basically, our model is to have a strong uh, technical expertise here in Paris, and maybe the next phase of our growth will be to also have underwriters 
you know, in each and every local office. But at the moment, the, the, the underwriting team is centralized in, in Paris. Well, that's been a really helpful. It's particularly interesting that comment about you know, what's happening with the risk managers and the corporates and actually seeing the confidence in the risk managers and to some extent the willingness of their organizations to allow them to do things differently because certainly historically they've been quite conservative in how they buy insurance that, that to me is going to open things up significantly and you've been one of our supporters at instead london now as a member uh, it'd be great if you had a couple of words to say about you know what motivated you to you to support us particularly appreciate it you know an early stage business to support us as a corporate member Yeah, for us, it was a really a no-brainer because London uh, is the place to be for basically our business, and we are an insure tech, so basically we are delighted to to be part of uh, this community and to also uh, basically uh, exchange with you and with the entire community about uh, how we see uh, the the challenges of our industry. Well, no, again, thank you for your support, Sebastian. You've got a lot a lot going on, so. Thank you very much, and I hope to see you face to face again before too long, and get you on stage as well, kind of get an update face to face. Look forward to it. Well, thanks to all of you in the last couple of weeks who've been telling us you're listening, both here in the UK and around the world. Now, if you're not yet a member or corporate member of Instate London, and you're wondering why so many insurers and technology companies from around the world have been joining us, then please do contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn, or any of us, hello at Instate London, to find out why and what we're offering to corporate members. 